Fridays at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Glad you could come through and talk 49ers football. And it's time to talk about 49ers free agents because here we are in the offseason and the 49ers have some decisions to make. They've got to bring players back. They've got to build a 53-man roster that could potentially get them back to the Super Bowl and get them over the hump. Now, anytime you're a good football team, you're going to have situations where you lose players. That's just the way it is. Now, John uh, Lynch and Kyle Shannon have done their best to make sure that they can consistently put forth a championship-caliber football team. Having Brock Purdy as the quarterback definitely helps them in that category. Because you have a really cheap quarterback option, you have other ways that you can build your roster. So the 49ers know they can keep this thing together for a little bit longer. 2025, though, they're going to have to work out some sort of a contract extension with Brock Purdy. Now, what will that look like? How much of that money will be deferred to later years? That's all going to be determined, you know, in the next uh, 12 to 24 months. So the four years are going to have some decisions to make, but those decisions don't have to happen right now. You start planning for the future. You start figuring out how many of those contracts are going to come off your books, how many of them you're going to have to restructure or extend or just move on from. So the 49ers have big decisions in 2024, but I think the bigger decisions come in 2025. So right now, the goal for the 49ers is to try to keep the nucleus of this team together and keep most of the players that they can on this roster and then fill it in with cheap free agents. They've done this before in mid-year. And also with draft picks. They have 11 draft picks in the draft. So that's exactly what the 49ers are going to do. Now, how much money do they have to use? How much do they have at their disposal? Well, that's a bigger question because right now we don't know exactly what the salary cap is going to be. Salary cap is projected anywhere from $243 million to $250 million. Of course, the rumors are it's going to be closer to $250. Let's hope that's the case. That means the 49ers have a little bit extra money to use and at their disposal to be able to retain some of their free agents that they're going to have available and out on the open market. The 49ers carried over $38 million in cap space, so they created a bunch of money last year with restructures, Eric Armstead to George Kittle, to create money that they could go ahead and swing over. At the time, they created about $45 million. But when you have to spend money on guys like Sebastian Joseph Day or Logan Ryan, yes, they're not high-priced guys, but there's a million, a million and a half here. Here's a million two here. It starts to add up until you dwindle some of that money away. Plus, players earned some uh, nice incentive bonuses for getting in the Pro Bowl and for the team getting into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. So there was some money that was going there. So the 49ers are rolling that over. So they're going to be having a plus in the cap. So for them, the cap is not $250 million, of course. It's $288 million because they rolled that money over. That's good news because the 49ers are either in the hole, uh, in the red, $3 million if it's $243, or they're in the black, $6 million. So 49ers definitely have some money to spend uh, it won't be a lot. I'm sure there's going to be some maneuvers. I'm not going to talk about a lot of the maneuvers that they're going to have to do. I'll touch on them a little bit. That's an episode for another day. 
Well, just t- going ahead and talking about some of the 49ers free agents and who's likely to come back and who's likely not to. And it's a tough decision that the that Kyle Shannon and John Lynch have to make every single year, and it's tough. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. The listening audio platform, 49ers Cut Back on Believe. Uh, please give it a five-star rating. I really appreciate you. And if you're going to bet, bet with Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop and your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team, and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, the game starts here. And for the 49ers, they're going to have a big group of guys that they're going to have to bring back. They have 11 defenders uh, that are free agents, and they have uh, 10 offensive players that are going to be free agents. I want to start on the defensive side of the ball because there's a certain area where these defensive free agents really reside, and that's along the defensive line. 49ers have often had a strength along the defensive line, but they have high-priced free agent signings that they've made or you know, so, sometimes paid their own. Eric Armstead, he's, he's going to be making $28 million this year. Uh, you have Nick Bosa. He just had his big contract during the offseason, and then you brought in Javon Hargrave during the offseason as well. So three high-priced players along that defensive line mean you have to be careful how you spend at the other position. So finding depth, you really have to get lucky and find it through the draft or find it through young guys trying to come in and develop and try to prove themselves and go get money on the open market. And that has worked for the 49ers so far. We've seen players like Samson Ebucom, like Arden Key, come in in free agency, maximize their potential, and go get double-digit million-dollar contracts out on the open market. For other guys, maybe they got traded here, like Charles Aminahue. Uh, he, he went ahead and optimized, and he went to Kansas City and he got a big contract there. So there is at least a way for the 49ers to convince players to come to San Francisco with the hopes of them potentially developing a opportunity to get $10-plus million out on the open market. That is a nice sales pitch for Chris Kisarek and the 49ers defensive line. Now, they did that with Cleveland Farrell, and Cleveland Farrell signed a one-year deal when he left the Las Vegas Raiders and come to the San Francisco 49ers. And a lot of people wondered what you were going to get from Farrell because Farrell had been drafted fourth overall. He had a lot of people criticizing his play because he hadn't lived up to those expectations. But I thought Cleveland Farrell had himself a really good season in 2023. He played the edge really good. He was great against the run, and his hustle was unmeasured. He would run every single play down. He was never giving up consistent effort 100 miles per hour every single time. I think that's going to be very appealing to other teams around the league. They're going to look at Cleveland Farrell, maybe not as a starter, but as a nice rotational piece that you can bring in and know that you're going to get maximum effort in those 30-plus snaps that he plays for your team. I think the 49ers could end up losing Cleveland Farrell unless they're able to pony up the necessary money. Now, I do think the 49ers would love to to bring Cleveland Farrell back. He fits their mold in every single way. He's exactly a Chris Kacerik guy. That's the edge really good in the run, has some pass rush moves that could continue to be developed. 
So the 49ers are going to try to bring Farrell back, but uh, this is one of those times where a, a team around the league could see him, look at what he did against the run, look at his hustle, and have a little bit mon- uh, more money to spend than the 49ers and outbid them. So we'll see what Cleveland Farrell's thoughts are on this. Now, of course, he is coming off an injury. He had surgery uh, right before the Super Bowl. So Farrell is going to start free agency with an injury. Uh, but we'll see how many teams get scared away from potentially bringing in Cleveland Farrell. And I'm going to start right behind him and keep this going with Chase Young. And when the 49ers traded for Chase Young, they traded for a player that they believed was that missing piece opposite of Nick Bosa, put pressure on the quarterback consistently, and allow Bosa to get less double teams. And early on, it looked like, wow, this was the move that everyone was hoping they were going to get. Chase Young was dynamic coming off the edge. Uh, Steve Wilkes was using him in a variety of different ways in the middle of the lineup, and it looked good. Him and Bosa were going to be uh, big-time studs together. Now, as season progressed, there wasn't as many opportunities for Chase Young where he got home to the quarterback. He wasn't as dynamic. Uh, People called into question his hustle a little bit. And also, he just wasn't as good against the run. Now, Nick Bosa was very vocal about the fact that Chase Young, Randy Gregory, coming in halfway through the year, weren't able to learn the way that Chris Kacerik teaches setting an edge in the wide nine and the exact technique that you're supposed to use. That they were getting better, but they weren't there yet. I thought Chase Young had a really good Super Bowl, and everyone knew that he was going to have to have a good Super Bowl uh, to potentially maximize his market value. Uh, and that's what he did. He got after the quarterback. He got a sack in that game. He played better against the run. And Nick Bosa has been open about the fact he wants Chase Young back in San Francisco. I think the 49ers are going to test it. I think they're going to look at what Chase Young's number is. They're going to set a number for which they value. This is one thing that John Lynch does consistently. Set a number at which you value a player. If that player exceeds that value, then you go ahead and move on and go in a different direction. If it doesn't exceed that value and they're willing to come in on the number that you've set, then you go ahead and bring him back. I think Chase Young's in that category. You look at him, he's got a lot of upside. The young guy, first year working with Chris Kacerik, uh, he had seven and a half sacks, which is the most sacks he's had in a season. He stayed healthy for an entire season. And you saw flashes of brilliance. Now, There's still a lot of work to be done with Chase Young, but I think that's the part that's exciting. He's not a finished product. So the whole question with Chase Young coming back, I think is less to do with his ability or how he fits in the 49ers scheme and more to do with what his number is going to look like on the open market. He goes out there and there's double digits like there was for Samson Ebucom, who put up less sacks, Uh, Charles Amenehu, who put up less sacks. If that is out there on the open market for Chase Young, he's not coming back. The 49ers are not going to pay Chase Young over $10 million uh, for a season. I, I don't think so, at least. Um, I think they could, you know, throw five, six million at, at Cleveland Farrell, hope that they could continue to, you know, bring Drake Jackson in or bring in a, a fighter-priced uh, defensive end. So it's going to be interesting. We'll look at what Chase Young's open market uh, number is, and I think that'll determine whether he's going to come back or not. Javon Kinlaw, uh, the 49ers did not exercise his fifth-year option before last season meaning Kinlaw is a free agent. And with Javon Kinlaw being a free agent, that means uh, the 49ers have a decision to make. And Kinlaw played the best he's played his entire tenure with the San Francisco 49ers. And he should. It was the first time he was actually healthy for the entire season. He looked good. He looked athletic. He looked agile. 
and his technique was a lot better. Now, there are still a lot of things that Javon Kinlaw knows he's working on to get better at. He's by no uh, no measure a finished product. But I think the 49ers know that with Javon Kinlaw, this is a guy that you can count on to be a good run stopper. We'll see what his number is going to be. But we saw good hustle from Kinlaw. We saw better pad level. We saw better hands. We just saw a better player in Javon Kinlaw. And I think this is what everyone was hoping he was going to be. I think this is what Javon Kinlaw knew he could be as long as he was able to be healthy. Now that we've got healthy Javon Kinlaw, it's going to be interesting to see how much the 49ers prioritize. You have two hefty contracts in the interior part of that defensive line with Hardgrave and Armstead, and they afford to pay Kinlaw. Now, I don't think Kinlaw is going to get a massive deal on the open market, but he could get an opportunity to start. He doesn't start with the 49ers. He plays you know, 25 to 30 snaps a game which is a nice amount for a solid rotational piece, which he is. I think that's the role he's actually really best set for. Uh, Keeps him fresh. He doesn't overextend himself. Doesn't start to elevate as he gets tired. I think that's the best situation for Kinlaw. But we'll see. There's defenses around the league that run similar concepts to what the 49ers do that would love to have a rotational piece like Javon Kinlaw. And just like with all things, the 49ers can't afford to be in a bidding war. So if you have a Javon Kinlaw and you're going to pay, you know, you set a market, you want to pay him $6 billion a year. Another team offers him eight. Uh, you might have to just cut ties and sign Kevin Givens for three and a half million. You just have to make some decisions like that or find another player that's available uh, that could do similar things in Kinlaw that are a little bit cheaper. And so the 49ers would love to bring Kinlaw back, but at what number? Him and Chase Young, especially, you just don't know what a number on the open market's going to look like. And so I think that's one of the most interesting things with this team. Now, sticking with the defensive line, I brought up Kevin Givens. Uh, Kevin Givens, of course, the 49ers have taken him from an undrafted free agent, continue to develop him. I think the 49ers would like to bring him back and keep him as part of that rotation. He should not be too expensive. I think the only teams you have to worry about are teams like the Houston Texans, who potentially have a lot more money to spend and could be looking to um, get a little bit better on that defensive line, and Givens is a nice rotation piece there. So I think Givens possibly could come back at least for one more contract. Last year he made $2.1 million. Uh, so he's definitely in the price range of the 49ers. If they could keep him anywhere near that 2.1, 2.5, uh, that's that's a chance for him to be able to come back, especially depending on how they maneuver his contract. Also defensive line, Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, came in late in the year. They paid him $2.7 million, which ate into that you know cap there rolling over. Uh, but at the time, they had injuries. Harmstead, we didn't even know, was dealing with a torn meniscus. Um, so they didn't know how much they were going to get out of him. So bringing in Sebastian Day was a smart move. Uh, I don't know if he ever really got fully, uh, you know, fully involved in this defensive line. He came in there, though, and he played the way you know everyone liked him to play. I wish he could have had more of an impact. He wasn't able to. I think the 49ers would definitely be interested. But once again, what's that number? And I think Sebastian Joseph Day is ultimately going to move on. I think he's going to find a bigger contract out there. He's still a really solid player who's had a a pretty good career. And I think he's going to be looking for another big money deal out there. I think he came to the 49ers looking for a ring. It didn't work out. And I think now he'll go out there and he'll look for a lot more money. And he could find it out on the open market. Deshaun Gibson. uh, This is one of the tough ones because... Deshaun Gibson is playing lights out. I mean, he's just been playing so good this season. He played so great last season. Him and Talano Ufonga have a chemistry. 
you just don't see very much with safeties. I thought they were very, very good together. And I know the 49ers would love to bring get back. Uh, the problem is you have two young guys there. You talked about, we talked about Hufanga and you also have Jair Brown and Jair Brown played pretty well as a rookie. You know that he's going to be expected to take a step forward, but we've seen what happens with safeties in our system. They usually take a step forward as young guys. Hufanga did a really good job taking a step up in his second year, earning all pro honors. I'm not saying that that's what Jair Brown's going to do, but uh, I think the 49ers drafted Jair Brown thinking Deshaun Gibson might move on at the end of the year, and then you roll with Hufanga and Jair Brown. So I think that's the plan. We'll see what the 49ers do with Gibson. Uh, we know Hufanga's dealing with an injury, and he's looking to come back. That could play into this category. I think the 49ers would have won a Super Bowl. I think Deshaun Gibson might have, you know, uh, went ahead and rode off into the sunset with a Super Bowl ring. I don't know where his status is right now. The 49ers, when they signed him last year, signed him to a deal that had a couple years of, uh, you know, contract at the end. That are It was basically a one-year deal with these money being spread out. So I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, we'll see what Gibson is is wanting to come back and what the 49ers ultimately believe about him versus Jair Brown and Taldu Ufonga. They go with three safeties at times. It'll be interesting, but Gip is one of those ones that's tough because I, I really like Gip. I think he's a really good player. He was fantastic for the 40 years for two straight seasons, and he's by no means playing at 34 years of age. Like, he does not look 34. If you told me he was in his early 20s, I'd or mid-20, mid-to-late 20s, I'd believe you because uh, that's what he looks like out on the field. He's been absolutely fantastic. Oren Burks, uh, this is a big one. You have two linebackers for the 49ers, Oren Burks, and you have... Uh, Demetrius Flanagan fouls, and these two guys have a lot of experience with the 49ers. Now, Burks came over a couple years ago, and he came over mainly for special teams, but I think they've seen on the horizon that Aziz Alshire was going to move on, and Aziz Alshire moved on and went to the Tennessee Titans, and Oren Burks stepped in very nicely at that Sam linebacker spot, and most teams don't run their base defense very much. They run sub packages. Uh, usually they're nickel, and we know the 49ers are nickel a lot. We've seen Ambry Thomas come in and Diamond Lenore uh, playing on the nickel, but Oren Burks held up very good this year. He was a good tackler, pretty good in coverage. Now we got to the playoffs, and then uh, teams started targeting him. Teams started going after him a little bit, and he started to have some struggles. But Oren Burks is a very talented player, and the 49ers are going to have question marks about that linebacker position. When is Dre Greenlaw going to come back? Torn Achilles, usually 9 to 12 months. Does that mean he's coming back November? Does that mean he's out for the entire season? I think those are things that we just don't know. So the 49ers have to prepare as if they're never going to get Dre Greenlaw back for the 2024 season. Now, everyone's hopeful and everyone's optimistic that Greenlaw is going to work his tail off to make sure he gets back. But you just have to be prepared. So when you look at a player like Oren Burks, who really doesn't make a lot of money, uh, he made $2.5 million, and the expectation is that's probably what he would get again. Uh, you might have to kick him an extra $500,000, $3 million a year. But I think you might be interested in doing that because he's only going to get better. He got a full, a full year of starting within your defense, and he knows now how teams are playing against him. He's big, he's athletic, he's fast, and you still might have to make up two positions, right? You have to make sure you get somebody to fill that Sam linebacker role and somebody to play Will. You did go out and draft a couple of young guys in Jalen Graham and D. Winters, 
but where are they at in their growth? I think that's a big uh, question for the 49ers. Coach Johnny Hollins, he'll understand where those guys are and if they're going to be capable of stepping in and starting uh, this year if something happens with, with Dre where he can't come back or how long is he going to be out. Plus, you don't want to navigate through the fact of losing Oren Burks and not having Dre Greenlaw. You might run the, the risk of having Fred Warner uh, playing with a couple of guys he's not as comfortable playing with. So we'll see. I don't know if they think those two guys are going to be ready to go. I think those guys show a lot of promise. With winners, it's a lot of athletic ability, a lot of ability to get after the quarterback. Uh, but when you look over at, I mean, sorry, look at, get after the running back. When you look over at Jalen Graham, you have questions about him in coverage. Uh, so I don't know if the 49ers want to go there. And normally you would just say, well, we got Flan. Uh, but Demetrius Flanagan Fowles is a unrestricted free agent this year and could be looking uh, to go play for another football team. Uh, Flanagan Fowles last year was a restricted free agent. The 49ers did not tender him a deal. Then they ended up signing him uh, after that, and they signed him to $1.8 million deal, nearly $1.9 million. Um, he's a very solid special teams player who didn't play great on special teams this year, and he was a backup behind Oren Burks. Now, to me, the 49ers, one of the easiest ways to do this, we're just talking about players currently uh, within the organization, organization for 2023. I want to bring Flanagan Fowles and Orton Burks back. I'd solidify that linebacker room with the question marks about Dre Greenlaw. I think they also would love to bring somebody from the outside in. I've heard a lot of people talking about disease Al Shire. I'll get into that conversation another day. But bringing in another linebacker uh, that's a veteran to compete with these guys is important. You're going to have the young cats, Galen Graham, E. Winters. You're going to have the older uh, guard and Orton Burks and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Uh, so you might have to tie up four or five million dollars in veteran players uh, that were currently on your roster just to make sure something happens to, you know and Dre Greenlaw doesn't come back in November that you're set. Do you think the four years would like to upgrade the position? I don't think they want Oren Burks playing Will and Flanagan Fowles playing Sam or you know one of those young guys. I think they'd expect one of them maybe to step in, but both would be asking a lot. So to me, the 49ers have a problem at the linebacker position right now. Could address it in the draft with 11 draft picks. They could also address it in free agency with a guy like Aziz Alshire. Uh, we will see. There's other guys as well that are going to be available. Once again, probably Bobby Wagner. I don't know if the 49ers would be interested or if Bobby Wagner would be interested in taking the trip down Santa Clara and what his money would look like. Is he ring chasing or is he going to get another big contract? I think that's going to be a question mark. As we see, some players are going to start to get released as their contracts are affecting their football team. And some of these teams have to get under the salary cap or want to free up money, to be able to make some moves and have some flexibility during free agent free agency. So let's go to Logan Ryan. And I brought him up earlier. Uh, Logan Ryan came in late in the year. It was a, a, you know, a very cheap minimum salary contract, veteran salary, $1.1 million. And he came in and his expectation was he was playing safety and he became adept and he adjusted there. By the time we got to the Super Bowl, he was playing nickel corner so that way Diomero Lenore could play on the outside. And I thought Logan Ryan did a very good job for the 49ers uh, this season, but I don't expect him to come back. I won't even be surprised if he doesn't retire. I think he wanted to get one last ring and go off into, right off into the sunset, and that unfortunately didn't happen. But uh, I don't think the 49ers will bring him back. I think they're looking to upgrade that position. How very thankful. I know I am as a fan for what Logan Ryan did and how he competed and helped the 49ers uh, the best he possibly could. But 
you've got a situation now where you've got to make sure you get better at the position. You either have to get an outside corner that makes Diamond or Lenore able to play inside comfortably and you don't have to worry about the outside, or you need to get someone that can play in the nickel and leave Diamond or Lenore outside consistently. I thought Demo's done a very good job either role that he's been in. Warriors need an upgrade in the cornerback position. I think they're going to be looking to do it a couple of ways. Uh, they'll probably examine free agency, see what's available, and also examine the draft and potentially grab a young player that can step in. We also have young players on the roster. Uh, Darrell Luter Jr., we'll see what he looks like after getting a full training camp. Didn't have one last year. We'll see if that helps him get on the field. And what's going on with Womack? Womack kept being uh, inactive for football games down the stretch. So, 49ers have definitely soured on him in some category. Then they're going to have to make a decision on Isaiah Oliver. The likelihood is they're probably going to cut Isaiah Oliver and free up some cap space uh, to be able to go sign somebody else. So I expect him to be a cap casualty, maybe with a June 1 designation to free up the maximum amount of cap that they could free up. But uh, 49ers got to, once again, go after that secondary. They've got two solid ones, but they've got to fill in the rest of the group there's going to be available players in free agency that the 49ers might target. And then Terrence Mitchell. And the 49ers brought him in as a insurance policy in case they had problems at the cornerback position uh, and they had to move guys around. But Terrence Mitchell never really did anything for the 49ers. Uh, so obviously those type of players, a lot of times the 49ers will bring them back, uh, put bring them in camp and see what they got. He's still 32 years old. So he's got a little bit left there. Um, but he's not going to be expected to be an impact player within this 49ers organization. And we'll see what the 49ers ultimately do uh, with a guy like Jason Verrett. Uh, a lot of people probably aren't even thinking about Verrett, but he was on the practice squad and, you know, they were interested. They wanted him for the Super Bowl, the playoff hunt. And to be honest, we could have used him in that category. Uh, he could have been playing the nickel or playing outside. So Deion Lenore had the ability to play in the nickel, but he keeps – Coming back, are the 49ers going to give him another flyer? He doesn't really cost him anything. Put him on the practice squad. Elevate him if he's able to uh, you know, reach those expectations. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the 49ers if they decide to bring back a guy like Jason Brett. I think that's going to be uh, pretty interesting. But let me know about the 49ers' defensive free agents that are available. Who do you think's coming back? Who do you think's not coming back? Next episode, we get into the offense, who's coming back and who's not. Uh, so make sure you guys join me for that one as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, now we're just in that moment of seeing how the 49ers are building the 53-man roster and seeing who ultimately ends up back in this roster and if the 49ers can use that to get over the hump and back to the Super Bowl. Uh, so thanks so much for, for joining me. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The game starts here. Like and subscribe. Thanks for listening on Believe. I really appreciate it. I'll catch you guys all in the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the fourth.